Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, the first episode of the new year. And my guest today is narrator Desiree Ketchum. Welcome, Desiree, to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. It's uh, We're recording on a Monday, um, so it's a great Monday to have you here. So thank you for that. <laughs> as, far as, as far as Mondays go, I can't complain right now. So Yeah, exactly. And this is going to air this Friday, so they'll get the bonus on top of that. So that's great. Oh, excellent. Some weekend listening. Yeah, and we're kicking off the new year with you, so even better. It's exciting. It is. But for those that may not know who you, you are, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, and how you became a narrator. So... My name is Desiree Ketchum, um, and I've been narrating for just over a year now. Um, not that not very long at all. I'm still a baby in this industry. Um, and how I got started was it's kind of an interesting story, but I will try to sum it up to the best of my ability. So I began as a blogger um, with the blog Unbound Book Reviews. I did YouTube reviews on. Uh, the channel the same name and then I moved into uh, exploring publishing being an author and I released two books and naturally because publishing is expensive I was completely broke after releasing both my books and uh, I was really wanting to get it into the audiobook format because who doesn't want to listen to their own words being narrated by other people so uh, I just I had no money and one of my good friends said, you know what, why don't you try to do it? You've got a really great voice and um, you wouldn't have to pay for your recording, obviously, because you're doing it. So you just have to hire a male narrator and you could do that whenever you wanted. So I was like, I don't know, because nobody likes the sound of their own voice. And but I figured, what the hell do I have to lose? So I did it and I ended up really loving the process. So what I like to tell people when they ask me, how did I get into it, is that it's the dream that I never knew that I had. It was all of these different things that ended up leading me to what I really wanted, even though I didn't expect it. I hope that makes sense. And I hope I summed that up enough. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that, uh, yeah, she tapped into something about being given the opportunity and just going for it. Yeah, instead of letting our, our own fears and our own, oh, no one's going to like my voice, you know, to kind of stop you from doing what you want to do, whether it's to be a writer or to start your blog or to, you know, be a narrator or anything else in the world. It's just to kind of jump in there. Right. And not- yeah, it was just, a, it was a, it started off as a, what have I got? What do I have to lose mentality? And then it went to, this is what I really want to do. Holy mm-hmm. shit. I, I don't want to do anything else. This is, this is it. Mm-hmm. And so I did everything in my power to research and get as much um, information and practice as I possibly could, practicing on my friends, practicing with my own voice, um, teaching myself how to edit and uh, all that good stuff. But I, I really dove head first and uh, I just kept falling more and more in love with it. And here I am now. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think that again, we live in a world where anybody can be anything. And I kind of wish that in high school, they would, and I think I've said this before in other episodes, where they usually say, so what do you want to be when you grow up? 
usually it's a doctor, teacher kind of thing or nurse and stuff like that. And I'm like, why doesn't anybody say audiobook narrator or a writer, <laughs> you know, or a graphic designer or cover model photographer, you know, <laughs> it's like, there's so many different options. And the fact that we can discover that this is a, our passion, you know, through one way or the other is really good. It's kind of how I fell into a lot of the stuff that I did was like, Hey, I should try that. Okay, cool, cool. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Life is too short to mm -hmm. just do something for the sake of doing it. I, I think have your hands in as many pies as you can to figure out what you like, what you don't like. Worst case scenario, they don't always have to become a career prospect. They can just become a fun hobby. Mm -hmm. um, and that's more things for you to do. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for trying everything at least once, or if something pops into your head, give it a shot. What have you, what have you really got to lose? Yeah, exactly. And I hope that uh, our listeners take that into consideration this new year and just say, what would Desiree say? Give it a shot. Yeah, in 2021 people after 2020, life is too short. Have some fun, do what you want to do. Have a good time. So you've been doing this now for a year. Um, how does that um, prepping for a book process look for you? So what I usually do is I like to have the manuscript as early as possible. Of course, um, I don't always have control over this, but earlier means more time for prep for me. So what I'll do is first and foremost, uh, talk to the production house, talk to the author to get any character information that I need. If, uh, you know, ages, accents, uh, quirks, anything of that nature so that I can have a better idea of the character going into the novel. And then uh, what I will do after that is I'll go, I'll section off chapter by chapter and I'll usually do them in sections of about five or 10 to start off with. And I'll go through, highlight anything, notate different characters, um, make sure that any catalyst or any, you know, significant point in the novel is, is noted. And then I'll usually start recording after that. I don't like to get my head too wrapped up into it because I end up feeling like uh, I kind of set myself back because I overthink it too much. And as long as I have a good idea of where the story is going for when I'm recording for that week or the following week, something along those lines, then I'm, I'm good. I don't like to go and practice too much because otherwise the, the performance itself ends up feeling forced. Okay. In a situation where you're uh, dual narrating, do you connect with the, the male narrator or the other narrator to kind of figure out that you guys are going to be pronouncing the words exactly the same or how much yes. of an accent? Yes. Um, it's, Consistency is, is always incredibly important. So if you have one narrator saying a name one specific way and the other one saying another line, it's not going to it's not going to sound right. So it's always crucial to keep in contact with your co-narrator if you're doing a duel or a duet, um, just so you guys can get on the same page, even with personalities of the character of, hey, I gave this side character kind of a bruh attitude. He's kind of a dude bro um, because he's got a couple of lines or something and he wanted to have fun with it um, just so they know. So it's consistent in both perspectives. Mm -hmm. And you obviously make those notes too, because sometimes that bro character in that yes. first book can be the hero the next two books down. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Either an audio recording or even just writing down, I feel like just some mm -hmm. of the characteristics of the tone that I gave one character is enough to spark it in my memory and go, oh, okay, that's how she sounded or that's how she sounded. 
do you have a ritual or routine before you settle down into the booth to start recording, you know, teas or strength vocals and exercises or anything like that? Um, I work out um, because it gives me, it gives me an energy boost. Then I will sit usually and meditate for just a couple of minutes. And then I'll do a little bit of vocal warmups for maybe five or 10 minutes. And I always bring in tea with me. Tea is a must. Yeah. (laughs) What's your favorite tea to drink? I drink the, um, coat throat tea. It's, um, Uh, it's like a sore throat tea, but it's Mm -hmm. just enough. And it doesn't taste horrible because some of them, let me tell you, Mm -hmm. it's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. I think that that's been a common conversation when it comes down to talking to the narrators. Um, but even the listeners too, when we do, when we drink tea, we're like, which one do you want? Like, oh yeah, no, that brand's not, or this flavor isn't. But mm. those ones that are specifically for like the, the throat coating or the, just to relax yourself can sometimes make, I get the point, but can you make it taste better? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you were mentioning about um, how the characters sound. How do you go about selecting those tones and sounds for these characters? Well, usually the more guidance from the author, the better. Um, however, if the author is really open-minded and they are putting their trust in the narrators to really do what they feel is best, um, which has happened both ways, um, it's kind of fun because I get to, as I'm prepping the manuscript, I get to kind of explore, um, the heroine and the hero and the the side characters just a little bit more with my own personal touch to them. Because then I can wonder, oh, I wonder how she sounds or, um... You know, does he really have, what kind of a gruff voice does he have? Because gruff can be very vague. And mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that it describes a lot of our heroes' voices. And we yeah. all love it, myself included. But there are different tones. Is it a timber? Is it a is it a rumble? Is it a growl? Um, so there's a lot of different ways you can take a gruff tone. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can take a sweet tone. So it's really just diving into the characters' personalities and getting their vibe and seeing what they're all about. That's that's one of the fun parts, I would say, of manuscript prep is figuring out who these characters are and coming up with their own unique voice that matches the personality that the author has laid out. Because it's a goal, I think, for every narrator to give the voice to the characters that matches what's in the author's head or what was in the author's head when they were writing this character in this book. Yeah. Well, because as a reader, we kind of, you know, I don't say that we all do, but I know for me anyways, when I read books, it's almost like a movie in front of me. Yeah. And so I can kind of hear the voices. And so when I started getting into audio, I was like, what does it sound like in my head? You know, <laughs> um, because, you know, we're the author, as you said, shares and tells us, you know, the readers that this is what they sound like. You guys right. have done a phenomenal job with being able to give us exactly what we thought we were going to be hearing or making it so much better that we don't care what we thought we were going to be wanting to hear. And we're like, you sound way better than what I was in my head. Um, That's the best. Yes, that is the best. I'm like, thank you. Um, <laughs> because it's like, no, totally killed it and nailed it. And as you know, when it comes down to either the tones and stuff like that, do you make notes on like your Kindle 
um, to kind of give these things because back in the day it used to be on, on the script itself. So when you know mm-hmm. people think script, we're like going, oh, paper, I'm like, no, digital now. Is it like color coding or is it more like, are you making notes? Like I know sometimes you can do that depending on the software that you guys have, right? Color color coding is generally the easiest way to go because it's, it's visual. It's right there in front of you. There's not a little tiny box that you could easily miss mm-hmm. um, or have to click it. And it's just the longer time that you're on pause before you can pick back up again. Or if it's green means it's this character and you automatically flip the switch into that character. So color coding, I find is the easiest and most mm-hmm. efficient way. I've, I've had to do a couple of script preps and there was one that was a reverse harem and it had like seven narrators. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, color coding. And for days, I think I, I dreamt in colors <laughs> with those color codings <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I was stopped. I stopped listening, like calling them by the narrator's name. I was like, no, green, no, blue. We're, you know, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this is what it feels like to be a narrator from that perspective of prep work. I'm like, okay, give you guys higher preps because it's not just, I think there's just a more involved and I think there's a bit of mis- misconception of what it's like to be a narrator. You just right. don't go in there and you're just like giving out the accents or this, not. there's a lot of prep work that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, you could do that, but you're going to yeah. be really suffering when it comes to, <laughs> you know, when it comes later down the road, when the manuscript comes up and your book, the book was set in New Orleans and the author wanted a New Orleans accent and you didn't bring one. So mm. yeah, it, it'll, it'll come back to bite you in the ass for sure. Yeah. What is a misconception that you've learned in this year of you being now a narrator that of the industry or of being a narrator when it comes down to the job that you would I like think, to be like, no, this is not how that is. <laughs> I think that it's not physically taxing because it is. Because you would think that you could easily think that you're just you're you're sitting in a in a booth and you're just sitting down and you're reading off a page. It's easy. You should. It's fine. And it's not. It's it's very physically taxing because it's not just reading the lines off Mm -hmm. of the paper. It's bringing these characters and their story to life. So you're envisioning this movie playing out in front of you, and you're acting alongside it. So. If there's tension in a scene, there's tension within you, Uh, because if there isn't and you're faking it, it's it will translate to the listener. And and, uh, so it's very emotionally taxing. So you get out of the booth after three, four hours of recording and I'm exhausted by the end of the day. So I would say that's the biggest misconception is that it's not physically or emotionally taxing because we're just sitting there and reading it's and that's not the case at all. There's a lot that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, depending on the scenes and stuff like that, whether it's a happy one and those are the other things because sometimes people think, oh, it's well, it was a happy, it's a rom-com. Like, no, there's still a lot of like emotions that go into that moment of laughter. I mean, that's exhausting sometimes, especially when you're mentally maybe not there and you're having to pretend to be because you're narrating the book. Right. I mean, for for that amount of time when you're in the booth, you're not you anymore. Mm -hmm. You're whoever you're voicing. So it's important to look, read as as if you're in their eyes, because that's what the listener is hearing. They're not hearing you read the book. They're hearing this character's thoughts and you're listening and seeing everything through her eyes metaphorically. So if you're just reading and rambling and not putting yourself into it, then that disconnect is going to be there between the listener and the actual narration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we all have our 
favorite moments when we're listening or reading a book as the narrator is there a scene that you just love to narrate you know when it comes down to romance you're going to have those moments of highs and lows and angst and arguments and bantering stuff what's your favorite scene to narrate usually I love tense and angsty scenes <laughs> they're the most physical they're the most emotionally taxing on me but god there's something about them where it's just you can feel your own gut just start to clench and you're really there in that moment. And the whole scene is playing out before you. Like, like it really is a movie. Like you're reading the book and you're just, the script is there and you can see it right in front of you. So when you get those tense scenes physically, you just, you really feel it. And to me, that's kind of exhilarating. I don't know if I'm a glutton for punishment or if (laughs) I'm a masochist in some way, but it's, I like that feeling, that tense feeling. Mm-hmm. Well, if you were, you're in good company, because I know that there's a lot of listeners and readers that are like, oh, the angstier, the better. Yeah. So, <laughs> you're, you be in good company for sure. Um, on the opposite side of things, is there a scene that's usually very difficult for you to narrate? Flashbacks, I would say, um, because they're very clipped moments in time that are getting scenes. So you don't have a whole lot of time to spend with this character while they're in this age or during this specific time. So you really have to jump cut yourself from present time all the way back to something that happened. Who knows how long ago, who knows what the character was like then, unless it's a really long flashback, um, what they sounded like then, uh, you know, their tone and their personality. Uh, So flashbacks, you really have to, I find myself concentrating really hard on so that I can get it just right. Um, But it's just a moment in time. So I feel like those are really difficult to capture. Mm -hmm. I can see that, especially if they're who they are now, isn't who they were at that moment. And you're trying to capture that essence as well. Right. Difference. Yeah. So with romance, there's going to be that sexy time. And in some cases, the books may fade to black, but in most cases in romance, that does not happen. How are you when it comes down to the sex scenes? Are uh, you in terms th- of comfort? Yes, thank you. As far as comfort level, because I know that sometimes when we're listening, we're going, ooh, that's, oh, yay, how hot. And then we're like, how is it with you guys having to narrate that stuff? You know? Me personally, I'm fine. I'm completely <laughs> fine with it. It's, you know, you, you deliver. If Mm -hmm. you're saying, oh, baby, just like that, are you, what's the listener going to think about that? Is that really convincing them that this hot guy is rubbing up all in her, you know, business in all the right places? Is that really, are you really conveying that right? So no, I I make it my aim personally to deliver. Mm -hmm. If this guy is doing this girl good, I want it to sound like it. And you record at home, right? Yeah. 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 Sometimes I wonder if um, when it comes down to being like at a studio, I know that we've heard stories where the engineer is there, you have a director. And sometimes those scenes, you guys tend to have fun with them and mess with them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but it's always good. It's it's glad. I mean, I think sometimes we can tell a little bit that there might be a little bit of like discomfort or from when we're going, damn, she was really into that. You know? (laughs) So that's good. So it's a good thing. Um, and you have yet to read anything that makes you go, oh, okay, hmm. about that. <laughs> um, I think there was maybe one scene that kind of threw me off in terms of the the good old sexy times. And it 
Yeah. There just the one, I think. Uh-huh. It just took me a minute because I laughed for a couple seconds. <laughs> you laughed? Yeah, it was it was it involved a uh a cabinet knob. Mm-hmm. And um the other one had a golf club, I believe. Oh, okay. So I believe I, I haven't it's been a long time since I've read this book since I recorded it. Mm-hmm. But it, it was just kind of like, okay, I, I giggled a little bit. I mean, it's it's pretty unconventional. So I giggled a little bit and then I got over it and delivered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that's one of the things that I personally love about the romance genre is that we are allowed to discuss topics that are a bit more taboo elsewhere, inclusive of sex and able to discuss things that we like, what we don't like, how often, how not often, and be able to say, hmm, that might sound interesting. We should try right. that one day. <laughs> so, Or discover that you might be really into something like that right. and did not know about that beforehand because you didn't know that that was something that was available. Right. I mean, if I, I giggled in these couple of scenes, but I mean, for all I know, there were several people out there who listened to that scene and went, fuck, that's hot. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's more power to you. It's a subjective thing, whatever mm-hmm. floats your boat. For yeah. me personally, I just, I giggled a little bit. I couldn't help it because yeah. it was different mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of those when you're also in the moment of reading it and you're going, wait, what? Because I think that that's kind of like how, like for, for these interviews, I have this, this, the questions in front of me. So I can only imagine the same thing as far as having the book in front of you when you're reading and then you're kind of in the moment and you're going, wait, what, what, what is being used? Hold on. Yeah. It was a double take (laughs) moment for sure. Yeah. So it's okay. Which is great. Which is why we have editing, um, you know, in this lovely magical world of audio that we do. Yes. um, And most of the time this comes up during prep. So your initial reaction comes up when the microphone is not on. So you're kind of at liberty to just get it out, however you're feeling about the, that scene, and then get back into the game, get your head back in the game once you sit down in that booth. So thank you. prep is also good for that reason. The other thing that we love about audiobooks is the ability to hear different accents mm-hmm. that the narrators can provide us with in our lovely earbuds or however we're listening. Do you have a favorite accent to perform? I love doing Southern accent, a light Southern accent, like a Texan accent. It's very nice, you know. There's something about it, that Georgia peach lilt to it. Yeah. Um, that was horrible, of course, because I'm out of practice. But when I have a character coming up, like with um, Playing with Fire by L.J. Shen, this is set in Texas. So the heroine, Grace, she has a very heavy Texan accent, very much like um, Renee Zellweger. That was my reference point of Renee Zellweger, where it's not overly heavy, but it's it's notable. Um, so when you're really into it, there's there's something very relaxing about doing a Southern accent. Being a Northern girl, it goes against everything I know about speaking. Mm-hmm. But once you get into it and you really feel that Texan heat, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it was nice. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, I think that uh, Southern accents are one of the ones that, from an American perspective, aside from those that are abroad, right? Um, we're like going, nice, cowboys, yay. Um, <laughs> and do you ever get stuck on the accent? Like, do you carry it out the booth for a little bit or through it when you're doing I somebody? have, I have, especially with British. Mm-hmm. Um, I love a good British accent. I mean, who doesn't? Um, 
but it'll show in my words a little bit. And definitely during the Southern, because my husband will point it out because it's very unusual for me. I'm from Jersey. So my Jersey accent will slip out every once in a while. And he pretty much doesn't acknowledge that anymore. He's used to it. But when, you know, honey, can you grab me the pan from out of the, the drawer? He'll be like, pan? Pen, pen, give me the pen. <laughs> you said pan. I'm like, no, I didn't. Boys. <laughs> now the, the, the Southern accents are, to me, I've learned a bit tricky in the sense of because we're very particular about is it a Georgian Southern accent versus a Texan Southern accent? Because there's a mm. slight difference there. Yes, yes. I mean, Southern accents, just like Northern accents. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm from Connecticut. We don't have what I would consider an accent, but then you've got Jersey, you've got New York, um, even Rhode Island has a slight accent, then Vermont, New Hampshire. Then you get down South and the Texan accent is going to be completely different from a Louisiana accent, even though they're only a few States apart. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Region is incredibly important to pay attention to just telling somebody it's a Southern accent. Well, then you've got like 15 different accents to choose from, you know, um, if you, if not by state, then at least a region uh -huh. is good, but state specific is usually best. Yeah. Even Connecticut, you guys, there's a little bit, sometimes a little bit of it, that Northern there's something I can't, I can't pinpoint it. Um, cause I, I visited, uh, Connecticut a few times and I have family up there. Mm. Uh, and it's one of those sometimes where I'm, I hear it. I'm going, okay. It's almost like Oh, uh, see, I can't even pinpoint it, but there's just something in the way that it's the, the, the talk is or the cadence it might be too, but yeah. Yeah. Our R's are very harsh mm -hmm. and um, we tend to add R's when there aren't R's. So you'll <laughs> hear a lot of um, people in Connecticut saying idea. I have an idea mm. that'll come up a lot. Um, huh. Yeah. We're, we're pretty newscaster ish when it comes to the cadence though. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, part of Connecticut. Central. Okay. So and right, not, not too far from Hartford. Yeah. Yeah. Husband was um, in Hartford and we have family in Milford. Milford. Oh, okay. Yeah. With a pizza place there that I'm like, ugh. until I learned and visited the, you know, New York and Connecticut, I did not realize the whole difference on the pizza. And I know that this might be scandalous for some of you guys when it comes down to pizza, like pizza is pizza. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. We take our pizza very seriously. Yes, here. you do. <laughs> and our hamburgers very seriously. Yes, yes, yes. But I did not realize I'm born and raised in Florida, mm -hmm. you know, in Miami, Florida. So even further south and now I live in Orlando. Um, but I've traveled up north several times. And until I first did that and I taste the pizza, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Now I know what you guys are talking about. New Haven style crust. Yep. Oh, <laughs> orgasmic. It is. Yes. It is, it's one of those where if you have not gone some up north to have the pizza or specifically Connecticut is world renowned um, for the, their pizza. Um, mm -hmm. I can let you know a couple of places out there that are good because damn, it's, it's, it's in the water. And I'm sorry, I'm getting all geeky on the foot. It's a culinary background on me. <laughs> <laughs> Back to audiobooks. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a foodie too. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when it comes down to narrating, and you guys have these accents that are really important to have, because again, if the character is from Connecticut or is not, and is not living in, in Texas, but it's been living in Texas for a couple of years, there's going to be, as I have family members that do that, by the way, 
mm-hmm. um, they have an accent. It's slight and, and, and little light. And they're like, and then you tell them like, no, we don't. Like, yeah, you do. Yeah. Uh, so these accents are important. Um, if that's your favorite, what is the most difficult accent for you to perform as of now? Mm. The most difficult I've had to do is Australian, I would say. It just wasn't one that I had practiced a whole lot. I would walk around the house speaking in a British accent all the time. It never, it never even fazed me. But with an Australian accent, um, I, I think it's really easy to get it mixed up with British. Uh-huh. So you think, oh, it's just a shift in the vowels. It's a little more lax. No, because then it just sounds like a Brit who's had, you know, one too many cocktails. <laughs> I have and, not heard you describe that before, but I love it. And it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound right. So I was like, oh God, I have friends in Australia. If they hear this and I do them wrong, I'm never going to hear the end of it. So oh, I, it's, it's motivation for me to practice, practice, practice. But mm-hmm. Australian still gives me a hard time. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you have friends that live there that you can call them and say, talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> but then it also depends on the region. Oh, that's right. Oof. I mean, yeah, you think of Ireland, Ireland, right? Ireland's mm-hmm. such a tiny little island, tiny little island. There are so many different accents. Mm-hmm. You've got the Cork accent, you've got the Kerry accent, you've got the Midland accent, then you've got the Northern Belfast accent. Accent. It's a tiny little island, at least 13 different accents. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's yeah. region specific. Mm-hmm. We do still love the Irish accent, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much. Yeah, we're, again, it's it's uh, something that we've all have admitted we are suckers for accents, mm-hmm. which is great when we hear something, even if it's in, in jest in a book, you know, or right. a character that pops in, we're going, oh, there's an accent. <laughs> yes. It hooks the ear. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, what has been your favorite subgenre in romance to perform? That's a good question. Um you know, I, I like the, I like dark romance, not too far into, into dark, but I love the tension. It's, it's like recording my, the scenes that I like to record are tense and, and angsty. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the thrill that's in there. And it also offers me a wider range of um, my acting abilities, so to speak. So there's more to play with there where it's a rom-com is is great and I love it when it's really lighthearted and it's kind of funny but then when you get into something darker and there's that hidden uh tension that's the underlying tension that's throughout the whole book up to a certain point when it all leads to something there's there's just an aspect about that that really I I really like it mm-hmm. yeah I will admit I need to dive a little deeper into the dark romance it's um sometimes I'm going do I really want to go there or do I want to escape and I'm like no this cell phone escapes so I need to get bigger a little bit better mm-hmm. at reading on a so I'll probably um see me uh talk to you offline and just say give me some max because yeah. <laughs> it's that all I'm about watching. the mood yeah mm-hmm. what mood you're in sometimes I'm I just want to record a good lighthearted comedy you know just mm-hmm. a really sweet uh, romance that doesn't really drain me too far emotionally. Mm-hmm. And then other times I'm like, fuck, give me a tearjerker. Let me see how far I can really get with this. Let me, let me play a little bit. Let me see what I can do, the, the levels that I can go to, how far I can push myself. Let's do it. Let me see. I want the challenge. So it, 
really depends on, I think my, my mood as it does with any listener of uh-huh. what to listen to that particular day. Definitely been in a, I need to laugh more kind of mindset lately. So that's probably why, but yeah, <laughs> but still, I mean, I like, that's one of the reasons why I love romance is there's just so many, it's, it's an umbrella term romance. And then underneath it is all these subgenres where we yes. get to have the PNR and, and have a shifter or a vampire. And then we have the rom-com because he's the, the geeky next door neighbor that is really hot. Um, and, so, <laughs> and the guy that's an asshole and you're like, you're yeah, still hot, but you're an asshole. Um, and then of course, all the billionaires, those are always fun. Where were they? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, that's again, one of the perks of having this genre is that there's something for everybody. Right. There are so many subgenres, mm-hmm. um, which I think is the big mis- uh, misconception that people have with regards to romance. So people who don't read romance to think, just think 50 shades of gray. Yes. And you're like, well, technically that's erotica, which is a subgenre of romance, but it's technically a genre all of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there's about 20 different subgenres of romance mm-hmm. that you're leaving out by just referencing this one book. Yes, that is true. And also sometimes it seems like there's more subgenres kind of popping up. I mean, a few years ago, you would have never thought that new adult was a subgenre, mm-hmm. you know, um, and things like that. And and now we have all these different things that are popping up. And as the years continue to grow, there's somebody else that will say, hey, let's name, let's label this. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I remember great. a few years ago when the stepbrother. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that trend happened and it was mm-hmm. really scandalous at the time. It was like oh, a stepbrother romance. Mm-hmm. And then you saw, you know, it started off with, I think, Stepbrother Dearest by Penelope Ward, which is one of my favorite books, hands down. Um, and then it trickled down and it went, you know, everybody else decided to do it, which I thought was great. I mm-hmm. like it when trends happen like that, because if it's a trend that I really like, I have all these options yeah. to pick from. So some people get like, oh, I'm so sick of this trend. I'm like, no, give me more. Give me more mm-hmm. options. I want more. So mm-hmm. I, I love it when stuff takes off like that. It's interesting to me. Yeah. But even then it's like, there's also such a variety, even though the trope is like a stepbrother situation, it could be stepbrother who's a jock, stepbrother who's a rock star, stepbrother who is a shifter. You never know. And so there's these different little sub-sub-genres in there too that kind of make it it's still the overall concept of the stepbrother, but there's there's so many different varieties still to be able to select from. So yeah, that was definitely one that I was like, oh, we're going to go there. Okay. Right. It's like reading a murder mystery and going, well, are you complaining about all the murders and all the mysteries? (laughs) This is is what what you wanted. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I want to use that one next time. The murder mystery one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is there a subgenre that you have yet to narrow that you're like, really eager to do that you have not been able to do yet fantasy i'm a fantasy junkie that's what i was before i got into romance and i've yet to narrate a fantasy romance and i am desperate to i want to so badly i'm i'm a game of thrones nerd i'm a lord of the rings nerd i'm a harry potter nerd um i i've i love having all those elements to play with because it's a whole world of of its own uh-huh. And, you know, not that reading a romance isn't, but I mean, there, these are worlds with, it's different lands we've never heard of, religions we've never heard of, creatures we've never heard of, magic. Um, it's it's fascinating to me. And then you add romance in it and it's like, well, what are you going to do? Ruin a cake with whipped cream? <laughs> you have two of these great things together. It's like, yes, please give me more. Please yes. and thank you. Exactly. Yep, that's true. 
Yeah, fantasy is definitely one that it's a lot of world building and there's just so many different options and, and abilities. And it's, it's definitely <clears throat> one that I like to jump into when I definitely want an escape. Yes. Because it's the yeah. ultimate escape. Yeah, I'm like dragons and magic. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. And hot. Yes, 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 please. <laughs> but that's good. I think sometimes that genre gets um, not the most loving in some cases. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I know there's a huge uh, following and fandom for fantasy romance. And so I'm hoping that it continues every year. Something new comes up and it's like almost like a different colors on the palette. This year it's going to be gray and yellow. And this year it's going to be vampire shifters and this and that. So it all shifts. And I saw some more PNR romances. That would be good um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because I, I just don't think they get as much love uh, as shifter romances or or not shifter romances um contemporary romances and Uh you know they're amazing trust me i love them all but having you know variety is the spice of life so Uh throwing in some highlighting some shifter romances or some pnr or some fantasy romances i also feel like they're very intimidating genres to step into as an author um there's a lot of pressure for world building and making sure that your world is unique enough, but it's not so unique that the reader can't connect to it. Uh. Um, and then not so cliche where it's like, oh, okay, this is interview with a vampire all over again, but his name is different. Uh-huh. It, there's a lot of pressure with, with those sorts of genres, I think. Yeah. I think there's, there's definitely the pressure and also the, then maybe they won't like it this because maybe it's too far. Like, like, oh, well, can you really date a shifter? And I'm like, there's not that many billionaires in the world, babe. Right. You know? <laughs> so if I can listen to yet another billionaire with an intern, by the way, I'm like, I was an intern. That did not happen. I did not have that much good mm-hmm. bosses. I still don't have that much good looking bosses. Hello. Shifter, vampire, whatever, magic wielding dragon. Okay, I'm good with that. I can deal with that. If I can believe a a, a billionaire, I can believe a shifter. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's definitely yeah. I, I want this year to be a little bit more PNR. So I think that's going to be my focus a little bit too on my listening is a little yeah. bit more on the PNR side of fantasy. I would love to see some more PNR things and uh in fantasy, especially. Mm-hmm. Well, I think sometimes too is the authors don't know that you guys are interested in some of these genres. Because it's almost like you guys get a little typecast a little bit and you're yeah. always the girl next door or the guy next door, or this and that. And it's, or you've done a lot of contemporary, like what you <clears> want to <throat> do a fantasy. So you letting us know here that you do, there's, there's someone's going to be like, Hey, Desiree, awesome. Or the shifter. Yeah. You know, let her be the kick-ass heroine. In this well, urban. any fantasy authors, um, <laughs> fantasy romance authors need a female narrator. Please. I'm your girl. Yeah. Somebody give me some fantasy romance. I'm dying over here. <laughs> oh, I yeah. can't go out in my nerd friends and tell them anything because they're like, you haven't done fantasy yet. You loser. Oh, oh yeah. That's true. That is true. They're, they're, they're tough too. They're like, listen, mm-hmm. don't talk to me until you've done something in, in this other genre. Yeah. Cool. What is it that you love most about narrating audiobooks? Oh my goodness. Um, I feel like I should have thought about this. I knew this question was going to come up and I didn't prep. Um, you know, I, I love being in the characters. It's it's the best part for me because I never thought that I would end up doing this. And um, I've always loved the concept of acting and um, 
portraying somebody else's character and making someone else's vision words come to life on a different platform. But I have really crippling stage fright. I um, I never thought that I could do it because I'm that person where I get up on stage to read something for a book report and I'm shaking and about to pass out. That's me. I'm not, I'm not an all eyes on me person. I'm a please turn around, look away, just mm-hmm. look away. Um, so the fact that I can be in my own solitary environment and feel very comfortable and be able to bring these characters to life, it's like perfect for me. Um, So there's something about stepping into these characters' worlds and their minds, in their heads, in their hearts that resonates with me on a very deep level. That's good because I think sometimes we get that stage fright and we also don't even think of that for you guys as narrators because we're going, you're performers. You're giving us all this stuff and then we're like, oh, that's right, she's in a tiny box. Um, right. <laughs> she's not in there. That also kind of leads to my second, my other question that I was about to ask is that with social media, we put ourselves out there and we're taking photos and we're showing our dogs or, or the books that we're narrating and things like that. And we sometimes get to know the person that way, but we don't really know, know the person, mm-hmm. as, you know, as we think that we do or as much as we can, because you're, you guys are showing us and we're showing you everybody else are the best side of us at the moment. So what are three things that people may not know about you? And I think that, you know, besides that stage crippling anxiety, you know, um, I'm a workout junkie. Mm-hmm. I love working out. Um, I'm also a massive video game nerd. I'm a big time gamer. Final Fantasy VII, my favorite game of all time. Uh, It's what inspired me to start reading. It's what inspired me to start writing. Um, And I think what ultimately led me to narrating. And um, what's the other thing? Uh, I'm a crazy cat lady. I have six cats. Yes. And I say yes, because that's awesome. I love cats. But usually when people, people hear that I have three uh, cats, but like five dogs, they look at me weird. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, God, I have a dog too. And I love her, but you know, my cats are like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a crazy cat lady. I'm just <laughs> thankfully married. <laughs> okay, cats get a bad rap. They, they do. Really, you know, they, they can be so sweet. Are yours... Um, emotionally or do they show attention and stuff like that? Cause that's the other thing too. So that you have one or the other kind of cat. Oh yes. All of them. Okay, good. Um, you know, one of them Calypso, she's, she's, she likes to hang out on her own, but she's very goofy. She's got a really big personality. She's just the, you know, if you pet me when I want you to pet me mm-hmm. and if I don't want you, you to pet me, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> that's her but she's cross-eyed so you can't take anything that she does seriously oh my god <laughs> so she swats at you and she's got this big dopey look on her face because she's cross-eyed and she's really fluffy she's mm-hmm. a, a domestic long hair but she's got these big crossed eyes so she just looks like a cartoon character so you can't even get mad you're just like i can't even how can i take you seriously i don't even know what you're looking at <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. So <laughs> I, I love all of my cats. I have an unhealthy attachment to all of them. I'm that person that has a different voice for all of my cats. I speak to them in their own special voice mm-hmm. and I don't on them. Well, you know, there's, 
they're creatures and they deserve love and they deserve our attention. Um, How is that though recording? Because I can only, I mean, I know what it's like at home when they are getting needy and they're like, you need to pay attention to me now. Um, especially when one of them gets very vocal. How is that for you as a narrator working from home and, you know, in the booth with the, uh, with the, the kitties and the doggy? It's honestly not that bad um, because I don't really have any of the cats in the room with me mm-hmm. while I'm recording. So the worst that happens is, you know, one of them will start playing together and I hear the little patter of their feet running up and down the hallway and then I have to stop for a second. But most of the time, um, they, they sleep a lot during the day. So when I'm recording during the day, everybody's just hanging out and relaxing. And I guess that's one of the benefits of having so many cats, I suppose, is that they have well enough to keep each other company. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's one little cat who's just going, mom, where are you? Please come pet me. And just scratching at the door constantly. It's they all have each other. So they're all really comfortable and they're not overly needy. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think that's also them sneaking into the room where the booth is and being at the door and with the whole meow, meow, meow and stuff. It's one of those we're going, hmm, with six, there's a more possibility statistically speaking. Oh, it's happened. It's happened. Yeah. <laughs> where I've left the door open and one of them's gotten on top and like, I can see them batting at my microphone and I'm about to have a conniption. I'm like, no. Or my husband forgets to close the door. Mm. And then I walk in the next morning and things are not where they were before. <laughs> and husband's going to get an earful. Mm. Yeah, that's never good. But the catch Which is why he tries here. to avoid that. That's true. Well, he learned. That's good. Sometimes that doesn't happen. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Yes. <laughs> that's good. See, now I'm like, you have to show me pictures of your cats. <laughs> and then you post them on, on Instagram and stuff like that. But it's like, oh yeah, my Instagram yeah. is like half narrations and half cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Those are fun, but I love watching your Instagram and stuff. That's also <laughs> why I, I brought up that question is because we live in a world now where we're constantly showing whether what we eat, what we're listening to, what we're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, me when I'm doing a little bit more self care kind of thing because it's like if I don't, then maybe I'm not. I won't do. Oh no, I want to do this, so I'll, I'll post a picture just for my own proof of mentality. Help. Right. Um, but also the cats and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, the kitty kitties. <laughs> it's like you're having a bad day. You're like, let's go see what those race cats are doing today. That's what I figured. Oh. I'm like, you know what? This is gonna make somebody smile because it's two mm-hmm. cats cuddling together. Out of all the negativity in this world, I'm posting mm-hmm. a picture of my cats. Yeah, exactly. And I love cats. And it's just one of those things where you're going, oh, so you mm-hmm. have your voices and us as a, as a participant in the, in the, the visitor is going, oh, <laughs> we have our voices too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so aside from hanging out with the cats and obviously the husband and things like that, when you're not working, what do you do for fun? Read and play video games. <laughs> um, yeah, I read a lot. I play, I play video games, um, hanging out with my son. Um, the video games don't start until after he goes to bed, but I, I just like being with my family. I like being with my husband and being with my son. Mm-hmm. Um, anything where it's just watching a movie. Um, I do love cross-stitching. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something most people don't know about me. I do love to cross-stitch. It's very relaxing. My sister turned me on to it. Mm. And um, sometimes I play the piano. So sometimes I'll sit at the piano and just play a song or just tinker around for a little bit. 
really, it depends on my mood. There isn't one thing that I do every single day with the exception of working out that, you know, I, is mandatory for me every day. How old is your son? Five. Okay. He's five. Oh, that's a good age. It's fun. We're in the fun ages now where it's two. It's like the terrible twos. Three is just coming out of terrible threes. Four is kind of like, I don't know. But then five, they got their own personalities. Yep. He's going to school and he's really becoming his own little person. So it's like having, yes, he's my son, but he's also kind of my little buddy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, hey, you want to go watch Shrek? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you want to go play some video games? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's cool too because you know, as, as a mom, as parents, we always try to find things in common with them to to you know have that time. And they go through this, so different sta- so many different stages as they're growing up. Mine's eighteen, mm-hmm. and so it's just one of those where you're going, okay, how can I connect with them now? Right. And you know, he'll come in here and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm about to get ready to record. Ooh, who are you talking to?" You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where the interest lies. He, yours is five. Have you thought about, you know, if anybody ever comes to him and says, "Hey, I think I listened to a book and your mom's narrating it," you know, especially when it comes down to romance, we have it has still has such a negative stigma, unfortunately, to it. But- I mean, I usually try to beat people to the punch. So mm-hmm. if they ask me, you know, what do I do? It's I'm a voiceover artist, a voiceover artist. I'm a narrator. Oh, you like books? Yeah, romance. Like, <clears throat> if you don't put a stigma to it, uh-huh. then typically people will go, "Oh, okay." Yeah. You know, but if you're ashamed to announce that that's what you are and that's what you do, then people are naturally going to go, "Oh, okay." Like, there's there's a negative annotation to it. So, I love what I do. Um, so I'm not gonna, yeah, I mean, he doesn't, he's five. He doesn't know that I narrate romance novels. He knows that I narrate, I narrate, I read. Yeah. So for him, it's like, oh, mommy gets to read me the story tonight. Cause she does all the voices of all the characters. Um, that's, awesome. that's, that's what it's like for him. Mm-hmm. So he's benefiting out of benefiting out of it. Um, they, and it honestly doesn't concern me what, um, if somebody listens or, knows that I do this and they take it as a negative because to me and my family, it isn't. I think that that's the main key is to not make it into that. I mean, even with mine, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll he's told friends like, yeah, you know, mom does this and that and, and book covers with half naked guys on them and she makes her happy. So that's great. And I'm going, kid, it's called romance. <laughs> right. It's romance. Yeah. He goes, yeah, that. You know, it's the same thing when he, you know, again, underage and he's like, yeah, I can have mar- mar- yeah, I, I had margaritas at home. Like you've had a virgin margaritas at home. Mm-hmm. Clearly where people think I'm a bad mom. <laughs> so it's just those things about just acceptance and having the conversations and knowing that it's okay. So, right. Yeah. I mean, um, if I were doing a, a book, you know, oh, daddy, please spank me. Then I'm like, all right, maybe I'll put a pseudonym on that one. Because mm-hmm. that that's no longer benefiting my family if my son finds out about that and he gets made fun of in school or something like that or it gets brought up from another kid's parent that's only going to hurt him so I'll do it but I'm just going to add you know a pseudonym on it yeah and I think that that's the gist or general concessions when it comes down to books that are more in the BDSM or erotica light of things that mm -hmm. there'll be pseudonyms used for that just for especially if they're also if you guys are also doing you know Hyperion 
um, publishing, which is Disney. Um, so. But I mean, there's, there's romance everywhere you look. So every, it's a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We just have, there's a little bit dirty. It's a, just a little dirtier. Yeah, it's a little more sexy it's, talk. It's got some real life into it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's more realistic than a guy walking into a forest, seeing a girl in a coffin and kissing her corpse. <laughs> That's necrophilia. <laughs> and then we're going to knock on it because normal things are happening. It's just ex- a little explicit in a romance novel. Oh, yeah. Give me a break. Yep, that's true. Or going to a dance and losing your shoe and having to go all over the place just to find the one person that fits that one. Oh, yeah. He knew you for five minutes, lost your shoe, and now he's got to go after every single person in the land. You don't even know this dude. Yeah. (laughs) You don't know his name. He doesn't know you. He doesn't even know your name. He found you through a shoe. What does that tell you? I know. (laughs) Oh, issues we have with our, you know. Fairy tale. Don't get me wrong. I love those movies, but let's admit that they're flawed. Yeah, exactly. I do the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but romances, they're, they're modern fairy tales. Yes. Yep. And they're good. I think it provides us with a, a bit of hope and we discover new things about ourselves, whether it's that you may want to try a new recipe that's in a book as well or mm-hmm. a new kink. You never know. You never know. Yeah. So you just discover. Exactly. That's yeah. the best part. We are always using words for everything to, you know, help des- describe things or emotions and stuff like that. What's your favorite word? Indubitably. It's a good one. It's got its own percussion to it. Yeah. That's a good one. Or perpendicular. I like how you say that. <laughs> <laughs> what about your favorite curse word? Horseshit. Ah. There's just something so satisfying about it. Cause I mean, you can say shit, you can say fuck, but there's something so vehement about it going, oh, horse shit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so satisfying. I don't know if this counts as a cuss, but I also like saying twat. Mm. And not just to people. Like if I drop a glass or something gets knocked over, I'm like, oh, you twat. Yep. That's a good one too. That's what goes into. I think that's more of a British, right? Am I right on that one? I think so. But it's yeah. very, I hope it catches on because it really is satisfying. It, it, it sounds like it, you know, that's, ah, stop being such a twat, you know, God, that was a twat move. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I tend to do bloody hell a lot sometimes. Bloody hell is good. And then when I have to censor myself and saying motherfucker, I'm like, oh, mother funnel cake. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the child is nearby. <laughs> that is true. There was one book I, I, I read years ago and it was one of those that was kind of doing different holiday themes. And there was mm-hmm. one where it was, christmas and this elf um who was a heroine the way that she cursed it was like peppermint sticks and peach knobs and i'm like well that's creative um Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of baloney yeah we we try to get creative so mother funnel cake is a big one son of a biscuit um sugar honey iced tea (laughs) yeah i may have to borrow some of those and i'm in public (laughs) Uh, cause I, I use fuck as an adjective, a verb and a noun and a pronoun. So, I mean, oh, so do I, you know, but sometimes when you're in the middle of Disney, um, or at a restaurant, <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. you want to say something, you're going, ah, peach knobs. Yep. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I have to borrow some of yours. Well, we are now in our segment of games. Oh, so, right. yes. So one of the things that we're doing new, um, for this season was the two truths and a lie. Okay. Great way to get to know our, 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 you know, our guests and also to figure out how, you know, how good you guys are at lying. Um, <laughs> so, 
why don't you tell us three things of which two of them have to be truth and one has to be a lie and we have to figure out which one's a lie and by we it's literally me but I like pretending like the listeners are actually playing along with me and I hope they are so if you're ready okay um I am five two I'm a natural blonde and my favorite type of pizza is deep dish oh boy I kind of don't want to say that deep dish could be your favorite because you're from up north and the thinner crust are usually the favorite ones, but who knows nowadays with being more global. Oh my goodness, these are all good. Hmm. Is deep dish a the lie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is? Mm-hmm. That's a lie. Okay. <laughs> deep dish is not a pizza, it's a soup. It's a casserole. <laughs> it's a casserole. <laughs> and I love her passion for it. She says that. <laughs> Yeah, well, when I when I heard you going on about awesome the food is up north, I'm going okay. Yeah, she definitely likes the crusty, you know, the the, the crisscrust and you know mm-hmm. different flavors and stuff like that. And you're like deep dish, and I'm going not a pizza. It's okay <laughs> to be a casserole. Just don't try to be what you're not. <laughs> Own it's it, okay right? <laughs> no respectful pizza puts the sauce on top of the cheese. Ah, uh, yeah, I think I've just fallen in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> The passion is just there. I was like, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> I love food. Mm-hmm. Food is good. It's, mm-hmm. it's an expression of emotions, and you're you, you're cute too. You're from a five two perspective. I'm five. Not, I'm five. Yeah, I'm fun sized. Yeah. <laughs> or vertically challenged. Take your pick. Yeah, I like fun size better. No, but that's that's average. Five two, five three. Um, I need I need a stool to get my clothes out of the washer. Oh, you have I a double deckers. I can't reach the bottom. No, I just can't reach the bottom of my washing machine. Oh. Because it comes up to like chest level on me, just the washer. Mm. So I have to get a step stool to reach all the way down to the bottom to get my clothes and put them in the dryer. Mm. My husband can hide things for me on top of the fridge. Oh. Because I can't see though. I can't see that far. That's (laughs) funny, funny, but mean at the same time. We have a liquor (laughs) cabinet that would be liquor proof if I didn't have the wherewithal to get a chair and climb oh goodness because that's what I need to do <laughs> yeah well see I, I I'm five seven and so I've always liked to do the heels and stuff like that but I'm I'm just I've always felt like I'm too tall and I'm not Mm-mm. off balance for them and my mom who was like five two five three was always rocking them I'm like see if I was as short as you um then I could no, probably rock them better tall women or women above average height wear the heels your legs oh, yeah. are miles long it looks amazing mm-hmm yeah I again I think it's me and my balance kind of thing I'd rather have the chunky boots but then yeah. again that goes into the goth <laughs> girl that I used to be <laughs> oh I was there too yeah freshman year of high school in particular yep. I had the ch- I had the chains mm-hmm. I was the hot topic shopper oh yep. yeah yep still am and it's so funny because the kids nowadays is I guess and mine's 18 and so he he uh He's like, what are these? I'm like, oh, these are some of my chains, the ones that you used to put in the wallet and then boot and, and on your clip on the belt. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, what do you mean they're yours? <laughs> and I'm like, I used to wear this stuff when I was your age. Yeah. And like, he goes, no, this is new. Like, no, baby, Mm-mm. that's not new. Been there, done and that. Fishnets <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that fun stuff. It's, it's interesting when you, I see things coming back up. I think it was the, uh, the path, the baby pacifiers in the, the pinks and the blues and the yellows of the mm-hmm. cleared ones. And 
all his friends were going like, oh, that's really cool. I'm going, been there, done that. Yeah, and then you see the chokers. Yeah, are coming back now. And yep, with double meaning on top of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's always fun too. <laughs> yeah, you remember those black um or those those rubber bracelets that you used to get? And you'd stack them up on your wrist, and if you broke one, it meant you had to do something. Or oh yeah, <laughs> I was never allowed to wear those for that specific reason. But I didn't yep. even know about it until my parents told me about it. Oh. I just wanted them because they look cool. Yes. Yes, I've had a, I have, I've had a few moments too growing up as, as a child where I was told by the parents what those things meant or the the aunts and stuff, and I'm going great. And now as the adults, I'm having to tell my niece sometimes some of these things, and I'm like, oh, circles mm-hmm. have been coming complete, and things like that. So it's always fun stuff, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's great. <laughs> it it makes me curious to see what it looks like when your five year old is eighteen. You know, yeah. what they're going to be going through and trying to grab from our yet again, you know, <laughs> stuff or the books that are going to be out. That's going to be another fun one. Yeah, I try not to think about that too much. I like him now. He's when he's five and he's cute and he's not, you and, know, and, and loves mommy and daddy. Me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Those are fun ages, though. Like I said, well, um, what is coming up next for you? So I've got a couple of books that are ready to be released that I can mention, um, one of which is, and I'm really excited about this one because I've been dying to work for this author. She's one of my favorite authors. Um, it's uh, The Girl in the Love Song by Emma Scott. I love Emma Scott. Um, so when she asked if I wanted to do it, I just jumped up and I was so giddy. But um, so I've got that one coming up. I've also got another Willow Winters coming up. Uh, it's But I Need You. That should be sometime next month, I would imagine. Um, and then a couple other ones that I'm technically not allowed to announce, sadly. I love that because it keeps it mysterious, but at the same time I'm going, I want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> some of us actually keeps calendars as to what releases are coming out when, or at least our narrators, what they're, you know, potentially coming out that month. As soon as I get the clearance to announce it, I usually do. Um, I will say that the project I'm working on now is the longest one I've ever done, Mm -hmm. where it's um, one perspective and it's shaping up to be around 12 hours. It's a biggie, big one. Well, you know, sometimes those those are really good too. I always look at the length when I'm trying to pick up a book and I'm like, okay, can I commit? Because it's what happens is, is and that question comes to play, like, am I willing to stay up until four o'clock in the morning to finish listening to this book? Right. You know, so not the, that it will I actually commit. I'm like, I'm going to do it. It's just like, am I willing to, is this a good day to stay up until four o'clock in the morning? For right. <laughs> because we do that. That's what we listeners do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Because you guys rock the performance. So it's technically your <laughs> fault too. It's the authors for writing the, a great story, but it's also your guys' fault as narrators for performing it the way that you guys do. So it's you will get, yes, get, share the blame there. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much, Desiree, for hanging out with me today. Well, thank and you very much. Being a guest, it's been, this has been fun and I love getting to know you better. Um, if you're not following Desiree on social media, you need to, and I will make sure that you guys have the links so you don't have to go hunting for those. They will be in the ep- um, episode post of over at Viviana Enchantress of Books. So thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Cool, thank you. And again, until next time, happy listenings. A heartfelt thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to... Michelle Sutton, 
Jen Franklin, Brittany Cottingham, Kimberly Reed, Leanne Schwartz, Christine Cox, Christy Reitz, Jennifer Graham, Mendy Summer, Jesse Stafford, Chrissy Font, Rhonda Pezzarello, Evelyn Clarisi, Michelle DaCosta, Emily Dye, Michelle Bestard, Farah Blair, Candace Platel, Carol Liebner, Bethany Crane, Teresa Martin, Jennifer Mirabelli, Kaylee Loring, Victoria Butler, Alyssa Prendergast, and Gabriella Cesarek. The Audiobook Love and Podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive early access to podcast episodes, exclusive content with our guests, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.